everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Sometimes we encounter people or situations that trigger a response immediately. With others, it can take time to realize that danger is imminent. Once we have that realization, our brains tell our body what to do, and boom, safety. Hopefully. Now, what happens when you encounter something that triggers these responses internally, but leaves you frozen, unable to react externally? Do you survive? Well, I guess we will find out on tonight's episode. So, let's get started, shall we? So before I go too into detail, I want to make sure that it's clear to everyone reading this that I realize how crazy it sounds. But I assure you, it is true. Every word. I would think that someone was on something if they told me this, but I lived it. So sometime back in 2004 or 2005, I lived in some apartments in North Austin called International Residence. I had a small efficiency apartment by myself, and at the time, I was trying to become a world-famous rapper. You can still find some of my stuff on YouTube. Anyways, I had more beer in my fridge than food. My neighbors were the strippers that lived across the way, and they wanted to hang out with me every single day. I had no complaints, of course. Well, on New Year's, I decided that I would go to my cousins in Sealy, Texas, about a hundred miles away, for a New Year's bash. I arrived in Sealy, and everything was great. We partied down, had a good old time at this huge, fancy ranch. After the party was over, I headed back to my cousins, still in Sealy, mind you, and I crashed out on her couch. So, the dream. That night, I had the most vivid dream. Now, when I say vivid... I mean, it was so real that I thought it was absolutely 100% real. I remember I walked up to my neighbor's door, the stripper neighbor, and I knocked. They were having a party. They opened up the door and had a house full of people. Everyone was happy to see me. I remember taking pictures with people. In particular, one of me and the stripper neighbor kissing at midnight. I remember taking shots and everything that you do at a New Year's party. I remember everything but leaving. I do remember walking out the door and then nothing. The next day. The next morning I wake up on the couch at my cousin's in Sealy, a hundred miles away. I had to catch a bus that morning so my cousin dropped me off and I headed back to Austin. My mom was waiting for me and drove me home. I was walking up to my house, toting my bags, and as I'm standing there trying to unlock my door, I hear, Hey, Grinch. That was my nickname. I got it tatted on my back. I turn around and it's my neighbor, 
You know, the stripper. You enjoy the party last night? She asked. Assuming she meant my cousin, since that's where I was, I said, Yeah, how was your party? She looked at me funny and said, You should know. You were there. I, in turn, looked at her puzzled, remembering the dream from the night before. I was in Sealy last night. Remember, I went to my cousin's. My mom just dropped me off from the bus stop. I think she realized I was serious because she took a moment to look at my bags and started saying, No, 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 no. No way, dude. No fucking way. We saw you here at the party last night. I said, That's impossible. I was passed out on a couch a hundred miles away. We took pictures of you last night, dude. I've got them on my camera. She was adamant. I assumed that somebody came to their party that looked like me, and they were all too drunk to realize it wasn't me. And so I was like, let's see these pics. So we go up to her apartment and sit side by side on the couch and start looking through pictures. The first few weren't out of the ordinary, people having fun and whatnot. Then we came to the picture that looked weird, the one where a guy that I knew was standing there with his arm up like you would if you had it around somebody's shoulder and you were posing for a picture. But there was nobody there. I started to feel cold and sweaty because I remembered that in my dream, I had been in that picture. We go through a few more pictures and come to one of everyone together. I remember it also from the dream. I remember being right in the middle, but in this picture, there was a blank space right where I should have been standing. I look up at my neighbor, and she's about to cry. She was so freaked out. I was freaked out, too. Before she went any further, I told her about my dream and asked, Did you take a picture of us kissing at midnight? Yes, I did, she said excitedly, frantically looking through the pictures. Then there was a close-up selfie of my neighbor kissing air. There was nobody there. It was marked 12 a.m., January 1st. She dropped the camera and started pacing around, saying, No, 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 no. That's crazy. There's no way. As the day went on, more of her friends showed up, and every single one of them said they for sure saw me there, and we all marveled at the implications of what this meant. Years later. So I was probably 25 when this happened. I'm 41 now. I lost contact with my stripper friend and the people I called neighbors, as people do. But often I think back about that night. I try to wrap my head around it. I looked it up and I believe I performed, if that's the word, astral projection. I would really like to know if anyone else has had experiences like that, or even know how it was done. I've never done it before or since. Leave a comment if you have any ideas, comments, stories.
So back in the day, I used to work as a bartender at a dancer's club. Tips were good and I needed the money. It was work, whatever. Management was okay and the girls were mostly lovely. I actually really liked my job. The customers were pretty average to deal with, but what customers aren't? I got a lot of really horrible comments from a lot of men, but I could always stand up for myself just fine. One night, I was doing the rounds, picking up empty glasses around the main room, when I felt a hand grab me. Not aggressively, just a gentle hand around my wrist as I was near a table. And this is the weirdest thing. Normally, I'd snatch my hand back, but I made eye contact with this man and just froze. He didn't look horrifying or anything. At first glance, he just looked like an ordinary guy. He was pale, 40-ish, blonde haircut, really, really bright blue eyes. I've been checked out at work more times than I can count, but this man, there was something very different about the way this man stared at me. Honestly, the closest I've ever been to describing it is that hazed-over look that cats get in their eyes when you dangle string in front of it. I didn't know what it was at the time. I still don't. But the man made my hairs stand on end. It was like my body was afraid and telling me to run, even though there was no reason to. I was like a deer in headlights. He wanted me to sit with him, and even though I wasn't allowed to, I sat down. His hand moved up my arm, began to stroke my face. So lightly, he was barely touching it. You have beautiful skin, he said slowly. The way he spoke was just flat and odd. I was still frozen. He moved his hands down to my mouth. He gently pulled back my top lip to expose my top teeth. You have beautiful teeth. It was like he was examining me. At this point, my entire body was screaming at me. You need to get away from here. Now. He had just started to talk about a hotel room that he'd rented, when luckily, one of the older veteran dancers came over and interrupted the interaction to flirt with him. I snapped out of it immediately. She handled the whole thing smoothly, giving me a reassuring wink as I carried the glasses off. Ten minutes later, I bumped into her backstage after she'd taken the man into a private room. I asked her jokingly how it was. She just shook her head as she rifled through her bag for makeup. What happened? Are you okay? I asked her getting concerned she looked up giving me a serious look and shaking her head again but slower which meant I'm not talking about it I left her alone and continued my shift the following week I went in for my regular Friday slot I didn't see the dancer again apparently she'd quit that night now I know technically nothing bad happened 
The man wasn't aggressive and I wasn't assaulted. I don't think he did anything too out of line in the private rooms. He would have gotten kicked out and the girls would have heard about it. I've had plenty of drunk men at the bar try their luck. So I've seen almost every trick in the book and still I've never encountered anyone else like him. I'll never forget the deep gut terror I experienced just being near that man. Even before he said anything, even though I didn't have an explicit reason, I just knew that something was very, very wrong. Hey all, I've got some weird shit going on and I've kind of been pointed this way for some help. I live really far in the sticks of South Central Pennsylvania. I'm a night owl because of the shift I work, so I'm often awake all night, piddling about the house or watching Netflix. I was doing just that one night a few months ago, when I heard and felt a solid thump against the exterior wall of my trailer. I paused my show and listened for a few minutes. Nothing. I went back to my show, and I heard or felt another thump on the opposite wall. This time I was up and drew my handgun. I am who I am, and I always have one. And I moved to my door. As I was reaching for the handle, I suddenly got the extreme urge to not open that door. My gut has gotten me out of some very bad things in my life, so I listened to it. I sat down on my couch and listened for a couple of hours. Nothing else happened. The next night, I heard a lot of movement outside my trailer and instantly was up and went outside with my handgun. I have a thousand lumen light attached to it and I shined it into the yard. The house was surrounded by deer, not too abnormal. They all kind of galloped away, except one. It was way too big and didn't seem right. Misshapen. It was so far away that I couldn't see it super well with my light on. It looked at me and my hair was up on my neck. I aimed at it and we kind of had a stare down. Just as my finger moved to the trigger guard, it walked away. Real janky-like not galloping like deer do. It stared at me the whole time until it was in the woods. I noped my ass back inside. Next night, I was at work, and when I got home, my girlfriend asked me to take a pistol out of the safe, load it, and put it in the bedroom closet. I did so and asked why. She said that when she was feeding the baby in the middle of the night, something thumped on the door to the trailer, and it scared her. I told her nothing of my experiences with the thumping. What am I dealing with? And what do you all recommend I do? My brother's partner, best friend, and I recently took a trip to Kansas City to go to an Oroville Peck concert. 
We waited until sort of last minute to reserve an Airbnb because we weren't 100% sure who was all going. Nonetheless, we found one just outside of Kansas City in a suburb called Grandview at a pretty reasonable rate. The host's overall rating was good and we didn't see anything out of the ordinary when reading the first few reviews. So we thought we had gotten a pretty good deal. We arrived in Grandview a little after 3 p.m. Our Airbnb was the bottom floor of the owner's home. And as we pulled up to the house, we noticed quite a bit of religious signs and statues on the lawn. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't have an issue with people believing what they believe in, so long as it doesn't infringe upon other people's rights. But here we were, a group of very visibly queer folk, about to attend a gay country concert, blindly walking into someone's home that we'd be staying at for the next two nights. We decided there was nothing to be worried about and that after all, we technically were in the Bible Belt, so we shouldn't be surprised that we were staying in a home of someone who was religious. My brother and partner called the host and met her at the door of our guest suite. She showed them around while the rest of us got our suitcases unloaded. When they came back to meet us, they said that she was super nice. And again, our minds were at ease. We decided to hang out, order food, and rest a little before we headed off to the concert that night. Our comfort didn't last long, though. While we were getting our suitcases unpacked and laying around in one of the bedrooms of our guest suite, my youngest brother was casually looking through the drawers and dressers and side tables, as anyone would. Most of what he found was normal. Extra bedsheets, pens, paper tablets, nothing really out of the ordinary. That is, until he came across something that would completely change our outlook on the trip. Inside the drawer was a Bible. Not super weird considering where we were staying, but as he was flipping through the pages, a small tinfoil packet fell out. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about drugs or what they look like, what fell out of that Bible rhymes with smack star Sarowin. That's right. Not even 30 minutes into our stay, my youngest brother found hard drugs in the fold of a Bible. At this point, we weren't sure what to do. We didn't want to tell the hosts, and we most certainly didn't want to call the cops. We contemplated taking the packet and throwing it away at some random gas station, but ultimately we decided to put it back where we found it and act like none of us had seen it. We got food and started getting ready for the concert. While the rest of us got ready, my partner, who wasn't going to the concert, started reading through the household handbook. Everything seemed pretty standard, except a few lines that read something like, We will respect your privacy so long as you respect ours. We can be as available as you need us to be, and if you're interested in speaking about the ministries of God, feel free to reach out. Again, I have nothing against people following the religions they do, but that seemed like an awfully out-of-place thing to put in your house rules handbook for your guest suite. There were a few other books around the guest suite that stuck out as a bit off-base, with titles like Teaching Men to Comprehend How Women Think and How Women Should Think. We ignored these things for the most part, 
aside from my partner who was now freaked out about being left alone in the suite while the rest of us went off to our concert. I told him it was just some Bible-thumping bullshit and that he really didn't have anything to worry about. He's a worrywart, though, so as soon as we left, he locked himself in the bedroom and started looking a little bit more into the books that we found. He came to the realization that the books were associated with a group called IHOPKC, or International House of Prayer, a predominant religious cult founded in Kansas City, a majority of whose members live in the Grandview suburb where we were staying. I could write a whole separate post about the beliefs of IHOPKC members, but essentially they are an evangelical Christian group that has a functioning 24-7 prayer room that's been going non-stop since 1999. There's also a murder, ruled suicide, cover-up, associated with the group. But again, it's all too much to go over here. We got back from the concert really late. Not to mention a couple of us were still heavily intoxicated from drinking at the concert. So he didn't mention anything about it that night but he was quick to tell us in the morning. At this point, we thought, okay, these people are part of some weird church, whatever, it's fine. That explained some of the weird rules and books that we'd found. We left for the day to go hang out around the city, and when we got back to rest, my friend and partner started doing some more reading on the group. That is when they found that we were actually staying in one of the predominant leaders' houses. We figured this out by cross-referencing the names of our hosts with the names of important members on the International House of Prayer University website. After this, we started to snoop a little bit more in our suite. We found large barrels of dried food, a jug of some liquid that we later found out is what they drink when they fast, and lots of IHOP KC teaching materials. Basically, it seemed like they were completely prepared for some sort of end-of-times rapture. Eventually, we did go back and read more thoroughly through the reviews, and we found a few that would have set off some red flags. For example, one review stated how the male owner brought out a gun in front of the people who were staying there. Yikes. Not to mention, if there was even a hint of negative review left the host would leave a snarky reply. Needless to say, we spent as much time away from the Airbnb as we could for the remainder of our trip. And although we were never in any direct danger, we did feel very uncomfortable with the whole thing. It started when I was staying with a friend one night, and we were hanging out like usual. Her father had come inside because he thought he saw coyotes, and he was excited because they don't normally get close to the house. We went outside quietly to check it out. He flashed his light towards it, and all we could see were greenish eyes, glowing, looking towards us near the tree line. That's all we could see. Since we thought it was a coyote, her father had shot at it. We didn't know if he had hit it or not, but the eyes were still there. But after he'd shot it, it started moving its head in an unnatural way. 
kind of nodding side to side. We went to check it out and see if it was injured and lying out there. We looked all around the area where it was and saw nothing. Even drove around the woods to see if it had tried to run away. That wasn't the last time I saw this creature. About a month or so later, my friend had gotten sent away for a while. I've always been a close family friend, so I decided to come up to her father's to stay for a couple of days and check up on him. It was kind of early in the morning, and a sunny day. Her father had told me that he was going to work and I'd be in the house alone until he got back in the afternoon. So he left and I was hanging out in the living room, playing on my phone. I left the door open since it was nice out. All of a sudden, I feel the need to look out the window because I thought someone was outside. I opened the curtains and looked around, and then I saw something out of the corner of my eye in the area that we saw the coyote a while back. I looked in the direction and I saw this terrifying, human-like creature around the same spot on the border of the trees. It was sort of kneeled down like a person, looking directly at me. It was all black and very skinny, longish arms and legs. And it was a bit tall. It had this wood or leaves-looking cape thing on its back. It also didn't seem to have any facial features from what I could see, just the facial structure and indents where the eyes should be. I was in shock staring at it, It's like I couldn't take my eyes off of this creature, trying to make sure I was actually seeing this shit and not my mind playing tricks on me. So I kept looking at it, and all of a sudden, it raised its hand up, and it seemed like it was waving at me, and it tilted its head to the side and started nodding its head, just like what we thought the coyote was doing. After that, I snapped back and stood up to run and close the door. When I got to the door, someone was driving up to the house, and the creature was no longer there. I then got the fuck out of there. Here's something else that happened before both experiences that may or may not be related to this creature. Another night, while my friend and I were home alone... We were just chilling on our phones, and my friend kept falling asleep. I was getting creeped out, so I kept waking her up. Then she started talking nonsense, that her father was here and talking to her. And I could snap her out of it. When I did, she would ask where he was, which she knew he had left, but was convinced he came back home. I sort of laughed about it and explained to her that he hasn't come home yet. She seemed really tired, but kept talking about him being there, which I was disagreeing with. Then all of a sudden, we heard her father's voice from the hallway, or another room. It said her name, just like he would, if he was trying to get her attention, or have her come to that room. We both heard it loud and clear, but no one was home except for us, not even anyone outside. After that, we didn't hear anything else for a while, and after a little bit, we still had our guards up because of what happened. 
and we started hearing noises from outside, which sounded like multiple people talking and laughing. Kind of sounded like her father and his friends. We were very scared by then and called her father to see when he would be home and to hurry up. He said he was on his way home. Slowly, the voices calmed down and eventually her father got home. So honestly, I'm not sure if I should consider this a paranormal or UFO encounter. But I don't know if what I saw would be considered a UFO. This happened in winter of 2016, when I was home for winter break from college. Late one night, my friend and I were walking to my parents' nice neighborhood, near downtown, looking for a place to smoke. For some reason, my friend and I stupidly decided that we'd go to the nearby elementary playground. They had swings. When we turned the corner, I saw in a short distance of maybe 50, 75 feet, a void black blob or orb hovering about two feet tall and quickly moving a few inches above the ground across the street from us. As it hovered towards the curb of the sidewalk in front of us, it smoothly floated over the curb. So it definitely didn't have legs. When it moved under the streetlight, it didn't give off a reflection. So whatever it was didn't seem to be man-made either. After it floated over the curb and sidewalk, it stopped at one of the elementary buildings that had a gap under it. The school is on a hill. Then it, like, squished or warped to a black, flat oval shape and went under the gap. My friend and I quickly glanced over at each other to make sure that we both had seen what we saw. Then we ran over to the gap under the building. I flashed my light there, but couldn't see anything. After I got home, I scoured the internet for any info that I could find, but there wasn't anything. A few years later, I went back to check the gap, and it had been filled in. Shortly after moving into my first place, I started having strange encounters with one of my neighbors on laundry night. I would pass through my neighbor's carport when it rained to get to the laundromat. He stood in the shadows a bit and startled me several times, possibly avoiding the rain. I tried to be friendly, but he would just stare at me, smoking his cigarette, not say a word. Soon, it became a regular routine for him, and then the apartment across the way opened up, and he moved to that one. I changed laundry to a daytime-only event. One night, I sat on my stoop on the phone and noticed a red light in the distance. It was him, sitting in the dark with a video camera, pointed straight at me. 
I went inside to tell my friend, who had just been crashing at my place for a few weeks, freaked out and relieved about that timing. That night, he went out, and when he was gone, I heard loud bangs. They sounded far away, but I used a noisemaker, so I couldn't be sure what it was. The next day, leaving, we noticed that the wood on the door around the deadbolt was smashed up. I asked him if he noticed it when he came back, but it was late and he was drunk, so he wasn't sure. The maintenance people looked and were very concerned because it looked like someone had tried to break in while I was home alone. Shortly after that, I left and got a new apartment. Luckily, my new roommate had an amazing big dog, and when she was out of town one night, I woke up at like 3 a.m. to him growling at her window. I went over and ensured it was locked. The next day, my neighbors asked if I was locked out, and I asked, no, why? Sure enough, the screen on the outside was all twisted, as if someone tried to break in, but got interrupted by a very big dog. The worst part was I had out-of-state plates, and all of my friends kept telling me that I should get them switched, that I was sticking out to the police. I often thought that he tracked me down by my plates and tried again at my new place. Or maybe I was just paranoid, and these were a series of break-ins, looking for money or jewelry or something. When I was in my early 20s, I had an apartment right off a major road, adjacent to a gas station. They had this deal where you pay $10 for a cup and get free refills for a year. I love unsweetened iced tea, and they actually keep theirs fresh. I got to know the staff pretty well and went probably once or twice a day. They even gave me an award for a favorite customer, which was crazy sweet. One day, I was tipsy with a friend, going for more beer, and there was a man with a super cute puppy. We asked if we could pet it, and the little monster jumped in my arms, and my beer-warmed heart melted. He tells me the dog is blah-blah certified. It was actually a flea-encrusted mutt, and I loved him. So he would sell him to me for $800. After letting him know I couldn't afford a dog... Then thanking him for letting me play, I tried to set the bugger down, but it cried and clawed its way back to me for kisses. Jokingly, I said, well, I guess he chose me. I took two exaggerated and slow steps away, and then I asked him for help to get the noodly puppy so I could wander off to Beer Town. Sad to leave my new furry soulmate, but I didn't think anything negative about it until the next day or two. I go to get tea and say hello to my friend, the cashier, when she starts freaking out. The puppy-selling guy had come in and interrogated the woman about who I am and where I live. He came back with a video camera to record her. Then, he called the cops to report me, and I guess forced them to give up my secret identity. Meanwhile, I was literally in eye view on the second-story balcony 
smoking cigarettes and cramming like six people into my tiny ledge. The cops left because he's obviously unbalanced and was forced to leave as well. That wouldn't stop our hero of the story, though. He was fighting for his puppy's welfare after I ruthlessly tried to steal him and, I don't know, eat him? Maybe my kisses were menacing. He had a very noticeable truck. It had a camper on the back, covered in psalms and creepy Jesus conspiracy bullshit painted on the actual truck. He would park outside and wait for my return. The staff all bonded together and didn't know me or where I lived or anything about the ginger bitch. I would check out my window before rushing in to get updates and truly thought that he would move on. One night at 3 a.m., someone starts pounding on my door. I call the cops. Psalm truck is in the driveway, but gone before the cops arrive. I ask to put a restraining order, but apparently a vague description of a describable truck is not enough. 3 a.m. the next night, the night after that, I get a letter. But I shit you not, it's written on the back of a Bud Light lime box. It offers me a white kitten and college tuition if I give this anonymous novelist a call. I had a tuxedo cat that loved to sit in the window and scream. So I brought the Bud Light lime offer to the police station, and one of the guys was in tears laughing, as was I, while apologizing because he knew how terrified I was, but it was a super freaking awkward situation. I had two police cruisers parked outside my house for a good month. It was a good spot to await danger anyway. I remember one day there was a half-naked man stabbing a tree in my yard and the same cop showed up and pointed at me on the second-story balcony, laughing, and then came up and had a beer after a shift. Life is weird. I have photos of the Bud Light Lime offer, so I'll post them here. reach the end of tonight's episode but be sure to join me every friday night for a brand new one thank you to everyone for listening and also thank you so much to everyone who shared their stories if you're not already be sure to hit that subscribe button tap the notification bell and if you like this episode give it a like you can and should follow the darkest hour on instagram at the darkest hour yt do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me. Amanda, darkest hour at gmail.com. Stay spooky. <laughs>